hello everyone and welcome back to the one link podcast i'm brad and i'm joined as always by my co-host james how's your summer james it's been a little while since we've been together it has i'm sure people have been missing our voices waiting for our smooth voices to air out over their podcast app of their choice uh summer was good it was busy i logged i don't know how many miles but i think i visited four countries saw three teams and visited nine hosts in about 12 13 14 days something like that so it was a whirlwind but it was it was really awesome to see some parts of central asia getting to hear what god was doing there and getting to meet meet some local believers as well as a couple of opportunities just to engage my fellow travelers and i getting to engage with some lost people was it was great what about yours yeah, it was, a, it was a great summer of travel. You hit the Central Asia route. Our colleague Zach hit Middle East, and I was in, let's just say, East Asia, Southeast Asia, and South Asia. <laughs> I kind of did a little loop through uh, Asia. And you were in the rest of the world. The rest of the world. Actually, it was interesting. I circumnavigated the entire globe. I'd never done that before. I went across the Pacific to get there, and then I went back the other way around the Atlantic, or, you know, across the Atlantic to come home. And that was my first, you can just call me. Magellan is that who was who the guy that circumnavigated <laughs> the world? You can call me him. I, I thought it was, was I thought it was Jackie Chan in Around the World in Eighty Days, but uh... well, that was, yeah, that might have been a little later. But uh, anyways, yeah, so it was good. You know, I, I find I don't know if you had the same experience. It's hard for me to think back to what it was like when I was twenty, twenty-one. Now, you know, maybe I'm getting a little bit up there in age. And so when I go on these trips, when teams are out, even though you know traveling in the summer has some disadvantages. Going there when the students are there, you just get a feel for, oh, this is what it's like to be on one of these teams. And I think it's helping me to know how we can train better and prepare students better. So I really liked that. I really enjoyed being with the hosts. We just work with a great network of people overseas. So very encouraging. Traveled with another one of our colleagues, Kevin. We had a fun time together. So it was a good summer. It was a fast summer. Just kind of flew yeah. by and here we are. We're back at it. Yeah, I agree. Our students all made it back. No one, no one got left behind this summer. Unlike other summers or what? <laughs> well, you know, you lose one a summer. I think we that brought them all back right. since, I, since I can remember. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it was good. They're back. They had some good stories. Now we're planning all our fall trips, start out on our fall, fall mobilization. But we hope to be doing with a bunch of our campus partners. Yep. We're hitting it. Helping them mobilize their students. Yeah, I'll, I'll hit the road here. You're you're going pretty soon. Next week, you'll be out at your first one. And then week after, I'll be out in Missouri. And there's the next weekend, I think we've got four or five of them all at one time. So we're yeah. we're gonna, it's going to come fast and furious. Yeah, it sure is. Well, I'm really excited about season four. I don't know if you're excited about it, but we got a great lineup of topics that we're going to cover this year and this season. I'm looking forward to it. As we walk through it, we've been kind of dreaming and scheming on what we're going to do. And I, I think you've got some great stuff lined up. Yeah. So a couple of things that are, you know, like 99% in the pipeline for certain, our plans change. We're flexible. Flexible is one of our values. We're going to have a series on evangelism. I feel like that's something that really very few of our students come in fully prepared for that. I don't, and myself, I need to grow in that. I think everybody needs to grow in that. So we're going to talk to some people that have some, some really good thoughts, good practices in that. Uh, we're going to, we're going to talk with a couple of people that are 
are good at having mobilization conversations with people? How do you have a conversation with a college student about going? Uh, so we'll talk with that. Then we're going to, you know, and we've been going through our thumb acronym, tribal, Hindu, unreligious, Muslim, Buddhist. We've got three of those done. So this fall, our plan is to tackle the unreligious and then tackle the tribal or the syncretistic religion. So tribal, I think, will really actually weave in all of them there. And then last but not least, and it's actually going to be our very first one, we're having what I'm going to call our old timer series. Yes. And I, I keep telling you that we've got to find a better term, but I'm sure they wouldn't be too offended. Yeah, this I'm really excited about this because we, you know, we've been laboring these, you know, I've been here five years, you've been here a couple of years now. We've been laboring and doing all the things you're talking about, mobilizing, training students. But we're not doing that just out of thin air, right? We're building on a foundation that others have laid. We're just actually a very small part of a, a bigger thing that's been happening for 30 years now at One Link. So I just, I'm excited to hear the stories. I know a little bit of the history of our organization, but I think we'll both probably learn a lot from it. I know it's been great for me. We're going to interview three men. And there's definitely, definitely other people that could be interviewed. We're going to talk to Bob, Brett, and John. But I think it's a great opportunity to hear their stories. And we're going to start, we're going to start farther back in their stories. We're not just going to start at like day one. How did you start one link? Um, but we're going to go back and kind of see how God directed their paths and led them. Because I think that's something a lot of our students uh, have issues. You know, like, what, what's God want me to do next? What am I supposed to do next? And so we're just going to watch how God shaped and guided them and things he used that were both good and bad uh, to guide them to the point where they were going to the nations and then where they felt like one link is what they uh, they needed to start, specifically John needed to start, uh, and then how that grew. So it's going to be really exciting. Well, it, what's interesting, uh, going back to this summer, you know, we had a team that went out. Uh, they did went to our East training and about half the team their parents had gone on one link teams, you know, 20, 30 years earlier. And so it's just interesting to see those generations now, you know, that those people went probably in the nineties, their parents had gone. They then talked about it with their kids all growing up. I mean, I remember talking to this team, several of the people on this team whose parents had gone and they just said, growing up, my parents were always talking about this experience and I always wanted to go, you know, <laughs> for the last 20 years. And so then now they're going out. So we're seeing, some of the legacy really playing out in people's lives as they are now their kids are going. So that that's something that's unique when you have some continuity over a period of time, you begin to see some of those seeds that were sown and now they're, you know, the, the harvest, the fruit from that is, uh, is really noticeable. And so it's exciting. I think, well, it'll be uh, interesting to hear some of the seeds that were planted back then because I think we'll be able to identify now some of the fruit that we're bearing as an organization because of that work. And it, I'm sure it was not easy in those early days. I mean, it was, you know, anytime you launch something, there's challenges. That's absolutely true. And we'll hear some of those. They were some uh, hard chargers and they sacrificed a lot and they took some, some really big steps of faith. And uh, I'm really grateful for them. I was great that I got to sit in and, and hear the stories firsthand. And we're going to try our first melding together of three different stories on the One Link podcast and see if we can put them together in some sort of coherent, semi-chronological order. So, You're an ambitious man, James. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an ambitious man. So with that said, 
Welcome to what I'm calling the Old Timer Series, or we could call it the Learning from Those Who Went Before Us series, or the Back When It Actually Was Harder series. Or if these men described it, they might call it the Mistakes We Learned Along the Way series. But really what it is, is the story of God igniting these men and others with a heart for the nations and a heart to send students to fulfill the Great Commission among the nations. It's the story of how God used three men to ignite a movement that really launched the sending of college student teams to the nations. So with that said, you can call it what you want, but let's dive in. I grew up in Lawton, Oklahoma. That's the voice of John Brooks, founder of OneLink International. Before that, he was a campus minister. We're going to start with John's story because John was the instigator behind it all. He was the catalyst. John is in his 70s now. John was and is a networker, a driver, a risk taker, a man of faith. I had just asked John to start back at the beginning of his story, maybe around the time he went to college. My wife and Peggy and I got married. Uh, she was right out of high school. And so I was working. I was going to Cameron, what is now Cameron University. It was a junior college in those days. I honestly was not involved in campus ministry at any level in college. Uh, I saw BSU building, Babston Union building on campus, but all I thought was that that was just a place where guys went to play ping pong and hang out and meet friends. And I really didn't have time. I was I was working retail. I was I started to say pastoring. I was preaching at a little church there uh, outside of Lawton and carrying a full full load at school. So when I finished from there, uh, let me I, let me sorry, let me sure. back you up real quick. So you and Peggy went to high school together, or did y'all were y'all high school no, sweethearts? Or no, I'm two years older. And she went to a different high school in town than I did. And so we actually met uh, in Duncan, Oklahoma. I was with a group of young people and I was the preacher and they had somebody else leading worship. And so we were doing what they called then a youth-led revival. It was a weekend kind of deal. And Peggy came we we needed a pianist one Sunday and she showed up. It's the first time I'd ever seen her. <laughs> That's a whole different story. I saw her at the piano and thought she looks really good. And I walked up behind her and asked her to marry me. So <laughs> she she was not too impressed with that and did not agree to marry me at that point. So Yeah. Um, you had to turn on the Brooks charm for a while before yeah, you get her convinced. Yeah, I, I guess. Okay. That's funny. <laughs> or or and she saw a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Now, what about, so like in college, you're already preaching. When did you come to faith? Did you, it sounds like you maybe grew up in a Christian family. I grew up in a, in a Christian home. My mom was a Christian and she taught us how to have some time in the Bible, helped us memorize some verses. My dad didn't come to faith until he was probably in his forties. And I, my faith didn't become real to me until uh, I was in high school. It's probably my senior year. Stuff started kind of going south, and I really wasn't. Uh, I wasn't in a. I wasn't walking with God. Had a a youth pastor that called me in, and I'd had some kind of some bad experiences. And he said, "John, you know, I I think you could really be a leader in this youth group if 
if you knew the Lord. And it wasn't that so much that motivated me, but it just helped me to see the things that I was involved in were not not good, not good for me, weren't helping me. So my senior year, the pastor that was of the church where we where I attended helped us with he's the one that set up the opportunities for us to preach in some areas and be involved in doing some evangelism. So yeah. Okay. Okay. So now now I'll jump back in there. So you were in college, but you really weren't you weren't involved with the BSU. You were working working working, carrying a full load, all that stuff. All right. Jump yeah, back in with right. me there. Right. So after two years at Cameron, actually I went three years because they they were becoming a university kind of in my process. But after my third year, Peggy and I moved to Shawnee and I went to school and graduated from Oklahoma Baptist University. I was still pastoring little country churches. There wasn't any kind of a Baptist ministry that I was aware of. They really did things differently there. Again, I was pastoring full-time and going to school full-time, driving. It was 45-minute drive to get to school. So I really didn't know much about college ministry in the early days. Mm -hmm. So how in the world did you get from there? At that point in time, were you thinking, I'm going to be a preacher? Yeah, there, there were actually only three options in those days for me. One was to be a minister of music, which was not really an option. The other was to be a missionary which I knew about missionaries, but I, I didn't know any. I didn't know what they did. So pastoring really was the role that I was looking to take. I had uh, all through high school, I thought maybe I'd be an attorney. And so took a lot of forensics, speech, uh, took Latin, stuff like that. And God used the especially the opportunity to be in front of people. Uh, help prepare me for what he already knew I had in the future. So when I came to faith, that was pretty much for me uh, that senior year in high school. I also saw that as God's hand leading me into into ministry and thought it would probably be a pastor. We're going to leave John there at that moment in his story and jump over to the next person who is so instrumental in the development of One Link, Bob Anderson. Bob is 75, but still active. In fact, he had worked out on the day that Tyler and I sat down with him. Bob led a campus ministry at K-State for years and years, currently one of the largest in the Midwest. Bob is a veteran, an athlete. He's the quietest of the three men. One of the values I really picked up from him was commitment. As you listen to this story, see if you can catch how long it was he prayed for China before he got to go. And then once he made a partnership, how long did he stick with that partnership? He's authentic. He's willing to be vulnerable. Let's hear a little bit of Bob's story. Sure. I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The big part of my life as I was growing up was athletics. And in high school, I, I switched from baseball to distance running, really picked up on it well, did well in state meets and in city meets, ran the mile and the, and the two mile, and I was offered a scholarship at the University of Oklahoma. Nice. Now I have to ask, just to ask this, what did you run? What was your best mile time? Uh, I wasn't very good. I was about <laughs> 420. My forte wasn't speed. It was running a long way. Yeah. And running, so, running. Until I did hurts. just good enough to get by with a mile. So 
Yeah, and I was able to go to the University of Oklahoma, a great provision. My folks didn't really have much money to to help me. And, you know, that scholarship paid a lot of my way through school. When I went to OU, I really didn't have a lot of close friends. I had some in high school, but they didn't really go to OU. I didn't have much of a relationship with God at all. I'd kind of grown up in a church, but but Jesus wasn't really a part of my life. I just certainly didn't have any vision. And candidly, I my character was marginal as far as the standard of Christ would go. Other than that, I was squared away. <laughs> but, uh, the, uh, but in college, God took me from those immature things and begin to do a real work in my life. After my freshman year in college, I was with uh, working in Rocky Mountain National Park and had an incredible encounter with a young young life group. I, I saw their faith and their hunger for God and, and their evangelism. And Jesus was so central in their lives. And I, I remember spending time in my little cabin, getting down on my knees and just saying, God, I'm not sure if I'm a Christian or not. I think I am, but I, I tonight I want to give my life fully to you. And I think life really started for me that summer after my freshman year. Begin to read the Bible, even tried to share Christ with some guys I was working with for the park service. That next uh, year, Max Barnett came to the University of Oklahoma as the campus minister. And as God would have it, he began to spend time with me. I didn't have a lot of time because I was running, you know, fall cross-country, winter indoor track, and, and spring outdoor track. So I never had a an off season as a distance runner. And I would get up at six in the morning read my Bible a little bit and be at the at the track office by about 6.35 to run six miles. And But I made that commitment that God was really worth knowing personally. And even though I was, you know, 18 years old or so, God kind of just locked that into my heart. And, you know, a lot of people struggle with daily devotions and that was in 1966, I guess, and and I've never really struggled with meeting God in a, in a daily quiet time. I've missed a few here and there, but, but it's because I've had travel days or sick or something. It's not just because I didn't want to do it. And that really began in college, and Max began to share with what it meant to invest our lives in others. And I began to do that. I had no idea what I was doing, but he kind of helped me. And through the college years, I invested deeply in three young men that continued to do well after I graduated and after they graduated. And so the last uh, 55 years, I've given my life to help people take those next steps with Christ. I've done other things with ministry. I'll speak here and there, and and I've been I probably made fifteen trips or more overseas to everywhere from Afghanistan and Iraq or Iran to uh, Morocco and South Africa and China and Russia and all over. But 
the reason I do that is just not to fill up passports, but because I really love to help people take that next step with Christ. And that's what it's all about for me, relationships, relationship with God, having a healthy relationship with ourselves and relationship with others. And I'm 75 now, and that still is my sweet spot. Yeah, what you do? Yeah, yeah. You, you look young for 75, Bob. Do you, well, yeah, well, I worked out hard this morning, so uh, and my, my weight's... Uh, is down pretty well and I feel pretty well. So, you know, I think for most, I can hold my own as a 75 year old, but, but we'll see how the future holds. So how did you, and I know you and Brett were buddies Brett, in there. How did you go from you were in, in Max Barnett's ministry, being discipled by him, starting to learn to disciple other people. How did, how did you get from there to starting your own college ministry at a different campus? During my years in school, the Vietnam War was going on, and I would have been drafted right out of college because my draft number was seven. I felt like going through ROTC was the best for me. I know a lot of my friends went to graduate school. I was a little bit burnt out on college, plus I felt I could learn some things in the military. So that's what I did. And Sandy and I were married right after I graduated. Our honeymoon was driving from Tulsa to Fort Gordon, Georgia. And I reported for to be a signal officer there for training at Fort Gordon in Georgia. Then I had a stint at Fort Sill in Oklahoma. And then the, my last stateside was in at Fort Riley in, in up near Manhattan, Kansas. And while I was there, I was only there about two and a half months, but I got acquainted with a volunteer campus minister that had a um, Bible study in his home. And I got acquainted with a, a pastor that loved students. And then I got orders for Vietnam. Wow. We're going to leave Bob's story here with him heading to Vietnam. Now let's get into the story of the third man God used to launch and develop One Link International. Brett Yon. It was actually sitting in Brett's living room where the genesis for this series began. I asked him how all this started, and as he was talking and telling all these great stories, I thought to myself, why are we not recording this? So now we are. Brett is a storyteller. He's loud. He's funny. He's a people person. He enjoys life. He's caring. This is Brett. Okay. Well, I was born at an early age. Okay. We'll just start <laughs> there. <laughs> but I grew up in Norman, Oklahoma, and as a kid, went to First Baptist Church, which was a mission-minded church. Uh, the church had been a sending church, had missionaries in Brazil, the Middle East, that I knew them when they came on furlough. I knew their kids. And the Summer Institute for Linguistics with Wycliffe was held in Norman. In the summers, every third or fourth year, and I met kids from all over the world that would come to First Baptist Church on Sundays during the summer. I think one of the things that really struck me as a kid was when Jim Elliott was martyred in Ecuador. And I have distinct memory of our church praying for the missionaries the Sunday after we learned it happened. 
And then when Life Magazine came to our house, that I, I mean, it's like I studied that. I looked at the pictures. I read it. I was probably nine or 10 years old when this happened. And so deep in my story was embedded the whole idea of God's global purposes. And I, I feel very privileged to have that as a part of my story, even though it wasn't until my college years that I began to really get serious with Jesus. So I ended up at OU. I was in the youth group at the church. I was a good Christian kid. I didn't, all my sins were respectable sins, no non-respectable sins that I can remember. But I just didn't have that life in Jesus that I had heard talked about. And as I was growing older, I began to think, well, is Christianity something that's for real? Or is it just because I was born in Norman, Oklahoma, that I'm a Christian? And I began to think about that. I was majoring in literature, history, and philosophy. And the philosophy courses, I truly enjoyed them and decided I wanted to be a philosophy professor at a university because I loved universities. But I still, my whole faith was kind of being challenged through all of this. And during that time, my sophomore year, Max Barnett came to Oklahoma as the leader of what they called then the Baptist Student Union. That's the second time you've heard Max's name. You'll hear it again through our series. Max is in his mid to late 80s, still sharp, but aging. He led the Baptist campus ministry at OU for 30 or 40 years. He had a huge influence on campus ministry across the United States. And I think it's fair to say that One Link probably wouldn't have formed as it did without him. We hope to get him on the podcast sometime in the future. But now, back to Brett's story. Bob Anderson and I, Bob at K-State, were friends from the first day of class in 1965. We met at the BSU building. We liked each other, and we've been now friends since 1965. And Bob and I were both kind of at the same place in our faith development, and we really did not know how to proceed with an adult faith. Well, Max came, and it's like, I remember saying to Bob at one point, help has arrived. <laughs> I think we can get some help. And we did. And Max began to invest in us. And we spent hours together studying the Bible, praying together. He taught us how to, to do cold contact witnessing on campus, which scared us to death. But we saw how God would use that. We just got grounded in in our faith, in spiritual practices of quiet time, scripture memory, witnessing, and then how to help somebody else grow in the faith. So I would say that from probably 1967 to 1977, those that first 10 years, we were just living out what it means to really be a follower of Jesus. And how do we apply that to our lives? How do we 
How do we obey him and have instant obedience to him? How do we gain from scripture personal words that really hold us to Christ? And in that 10-year period, Bob and I both moved to Kansas and Nebraska. Bob was at K-State and I was at Nebraska. And we were both trying to start a Baptist campus ministry. And both places, it's ended up being called Christian Challenge. And this might back it up all the way to the very beginning a little bit, but just kind of in that, because you're talking in a 20-year span right here of how you and Bob came to really grab hold of your faith, be discipled, and then then go. So my first question is, what made you guys go to K-State and go to Nebraska? Like, how did that happen? Because it sounds like you were there at OU for a little bit before you went. Yeah, I was at OU for two and a half years after Max was there. Then I went to the University of Miami in Florida to do a two-year journeyman type thing in America, reaching students. Mary and I both went. That was during the Jesus movement, and it was crazy fun. I still think back on that as some of the the fun time of our lives. Uh, we were young, we didn't have children, and we were just having a great time. Even though I was a a redneck who went to Miami <laughs> to work with hippies, when I came back, I had long hair and side <laughs> When my mom saw me, she just started crying. Uh, <laughs> but we saw so many kids come to faith in Jesus. And they're still walking with Jesus today. I still have contact with them. So I went to Southwestern. After that two years, I went to Southwestern Seminary. And Bob had an extra year of school after I graduated OU. And then he went with the military in Vietnam. So it was at the, during that time at the seminary in Fort Worth, Texas, I began to realize, along with some of the guys that were with me, a group of us went to Southwestern, and we all kind of realized this is the Bible Belt, and we don't we don't fit here. We've been a part of the Jesus movement, and it doesn't seem like the Jesus movement, the way we've known it, has made it here. So we talked to our mentor, Max, at OU. And he came down to the seminary, talked to the president of the seminary about campus ministry. And the president of the seminary said uh, in his nice southern Texas accent, boys, we don't do campus ministry here. We're preachers. We're training people to preach. Maybe you need to find another place. And so with his invitation, we made a trip. Max said, well, what if we looked at the campuses that are already in the football conference called the Big Eight at that time. What if we looked at some campuses that did not have BSUs, Baptist Student Union? Said, okay, so after finals in December of 1971, we drove from Norman to I Iowa State, Ames, Iowa, and there was a guy with us in our circle, Jack Owens, and we were there. We met a church and talked. And Jack really felt like this is where God wants me. 
then we came over to Lincoln, Nebraska, and I had that, that sense of, oh no, I think this is where God <laughs> wants me. <laughs> and then we drove down to K State, and Bob was in Vietnam, but he had given us proxy to say, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. And he had been trained at Fort Riley outside of Manhattan. And he had been involved in the only church in Manhattan, he and Sandy, during training. And they'd been investing in college students in that church when they were there in the military. And so when we told the pastor of the church, well, Bob and Sandy Anderson would be willing to come here, he said, oh, wow, that would be amazing. One of the most disconcerting things that happened with these churches is they all all three said well we want them to come but we don't have any money and max said that's no problem these guys will trust god for their money <laughs> i remember when he said that jack and i kind of looked at each other it's like oh boy <laughs> we raised our support from the first day we came until 41 years later when we left. Okay, we're going to leave Brett there at his story, raising his support, Bob raising his support as well. Let's jump back into John's life. How did you get from, I'm going to be a pastor yeah. to collegiate ministry in Wichita, I think, or was there some yeah, jumps in between? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty long story, but I went on to, when I came from OBU, directly to being a youth pastor at First Baptist Church in Denison, Texas. Then when uh, the pastor there really wanted me to go to seminary, and they kept me on full-time staff, but I drove to seminary and was down there for three to four days a week. And I did that for three years. It was really difficult on our marriage. Uh, Peggy was working full-time. We had one child and one on the way. And so it was a difficult time. It was a time that I really needed some personal help. I was planning a youth retreat over Christmas holiday. So in the fall of 1974, uh, I asked a seminary professor if he knew someone that might be able to help me with a youth retreat. And he said, well, John, there's this guy named Harold Bullock that I think it'd be really good for you to get to know. I think he'd do you a good job. So I just had, I didn't know him. I happened to be out on campus. I saw who I thought was Harold and introduced myself. And we talked a bit about him doing the retreat. He said, why don't you come over to the apartment and we'll talk some more about it. And I said, great. So the next week I went over to his apartment. We spent about 30 minutes talking about how to, how, what I wanted him to do and how, how he could do it. And then he just began to ask me really probing questions about my life and what God had done and uh, about Peggy and I. And it was a very, very difficult time in our marriage. We'd been married for about six years. I was just really having a hard time. We were having a hard time financially. I was having a hard time really loving and leading Peggy well. I was gone a lot. So after, I don't know, maybe an hour of conversation, I asked 
Harold. So, you know, you're, uh, you've asked me some great questions. I, I'm, I'm just wondering, do you have the answer to those questions? <laughs> and would you be willing to, would you be willing to help me find, find the answers to those and just help me kind of get my life together? He said, well, wait here just a minute. I'm going to go to the bedroom. I'll be right back. And he went to his bedroom, came back and laid out his prayer journal on the coffee table in front of me and said, I want you to read that paragraph right there. So I did. And it said something to the effect, I don't remember the exact words, but the prayer request was, Father, would you lead the man who's in my Old Testament class sitting in the front row, second seat from the door, would you lead him to ask me for personal help? And that was me. So Harold began to invest in my life. I, I noticed in some stuff that you'd sent me earlier who discipled me. I didn't know what it, the word, how to disciple anybody. I didn't know what it meant to invest in anybody. Harold, he's, he asked if he said, you've asked. And I, I think if I'm going to do this, you need to know what expectations would be. And so he laid expectations out and that was not an easy path. And I just, I just thought, and actually said, Harold, I don't know if I want to do that or not. That, that's, wow, you're asking a lot. He said, well, John, the question is not whether or not you want to do it. The Lord Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. The, the real question is, will you do it? I had not been good at starting things and finishing them. I could start a lot of things but I didn't finish well. And I determined at that point, this, this is the time I need to finish well. So began to meet with Harold often would drive it was a hundred miles from where I lived to Fort Worth. So uh, sometimes I'd go back on weekends when I could. Certainly we got together at least once a week and it just changed the whole trajectory of my life and ministry. And when I got ready to graduate, Harold asked kind of what I was thinking about ministry, and he's committed, has been for the last 45 years to church planting. In fact, generationally, I think they've, they've planted more than 100 churches out of the church he started there in Fort Worth uh, all over the world. So he said, you know, John, I, I think you'd do really well in student ministry. And I'd never done student ministry. I didn't know what it would look like, but I thought, okay, if I have an opportunity, I'll certainly consider that. So I left First Baptist Church Denison, came back to, went to a little church outside of Denison that I pastored for about two years. And we had an opportunity from there. The guy that was leading campus ministry at Grayson County Community College asked me if I'd be interested in leading the Bible study among students. I said, sure, I'd love to do that. So uh, I did that. Then he said, John, I'm getting ready to go out to Arizona. They've asked me to come out and view of a call at Arizona State to do student ministry. And I don't think I'm going to do it. But I'm wondering if I decide not to, would you be? willing and open to be considered. And I said, sure. And uh, Peggy was, 
Peggy was not really into doing student ministry. It was a real stretch for her to do that. She didn't finish school. She went to work to help me finish school. So it was a challenge. But when uh, when Bill came back, he said, I put your name in out there and uh, was telling us about what what the ministry was like. And I remember Peggy saying to him, Bill, we so appreciate you uh, you going and gathering all this information. We're really going to have a great time in Arizona. And I thought, what did she just say? <laughs> we, we haven't been offered anything yet. But uh, sure enough, we, we went out to do campus ministry there at Arizona State. Okay. We were there for three and a half years, came back. My boss changed. Okay. And the expectations the new boss had of me were not things that I had agreed to, nor were they things I really felt like I was capable of doing. So felt like God was very clear, led us to move back to, we weren't sure where, we just sold our home and packed up the U-Haul and headed back to Texas. And what years would that be there that was uh, 70, see, we went to Arizona in 78 to uh, 81, yeah, yeah, 81 to 83. We actually moved to Arlington during the recession, and Peggy got a good job working in the dental office, and I got a good job mowing yards and handing out phone books and working temporary over Christmas and whatever I could find to do. We were there for a couple of years, but I had committed. I'm not going to submit. I'm not going to float my resume. God knows where we are. And so we're going to, we're just trust him. We were there two years and I got a phone call from the pastor that had married Peggy and I, and he was pastoring a church in Wichita and they needed a campus minister at Wichita state and asked if I was open and interested in doing that. And my first response to him was, no, not really, because it was a commuter campus. And 70% of the students were night class students. It just, it just didn't fit. But I was reading in the book of Proverbs, and the Lord reminded me that the one who gives an answer before he hears, it's folly and shame to him. So I called the pastor back and said, would be glad to take a look at it. And we've been here since 83. Okay. That's excellent. So was it, was that river church at that point in time or what church was it? it We, we actually came to do campus ministry at Wichita state. The church that we attended was Olivet Baptist and Terry Williams, who is our pastor has been our pastor for the last 20 plus years started he he left Wichita to go back to Fort Worth or to go to Fort Worth to get his seminary was a part of Hope Baptist Church Hope Church down there and but he had done some volunteer stuff on campus we took that role joined Olivet, and we took the role. So I served as as uh, campus minister at Wichita State for 12 years. Okay, awesome. So what, what was that like 
trying to figure out how to do that as a as a commuter school did that status kind of change over time tell me about that well it has lately but it was really difficult in the early years we had a relatively small ministry we probably had 30 40 students around on a on a regular basis so i had prayed for guys to invest my life in and early on met uh, met one that we st- still have watched and stayed fairly close to that's been a church planter. It was a pretty typical discipleship-based campus ministry. That's good. When you say a pretty typical discipleship ministry, I think it's important for people who hear this to recognize that that's that there's a lot of them out there that aren't that kind of discipleship-based ministry. Right. And that, I guess that kind of all flowed out of what Harold kind of pouring into your life. And then you were able to. Yeah, it, it was uh, primarily Harold. He had also, because I had not done campus ministry, he encouraged me to talk to talk to Max Barnett. Before we made our final decision, I think maybe we had already made it before we went to Arizona. And then I had a lot of phone calls back in the day when phone calls cost you. Every time there was a situation arose, I'd call Max <laughs> or I'd call Harold and couldn't figure out what I needed to do. But I remember Max telling me, he said, John, I, he told me, we talked probably two hours, but I remember only two things he said. One was they had a building there at Arizona State. He said, don't spend your time in the building. Get out on campus. I thought, great, I can do that. And the second thing he told me was, Arizona State is not OU, so go and figure out what you need to do at Arizona State to be to be successful. And that was that was really good advice. It wasn't a campus like OU; it was very different. So there you have it. That's where we're going to stop for today. As we look at our three men, I think you're beginning to see steps of faith. You know, we haven't even got to one link. In fact, we haven't even got to them thinking about the nations really yet. But what you're seeing is you're seeing men that had somebody invest in them, disciple them. And then you begin seeing them take some steps of faith. They're moving forward. In our next episode, we're going to see how God begins to shape these men's heart and bring different people together and how he begins to give them a heart to reach the nations. And not just a heart to reach the nations, but a heart to reach the nations with students. It's going to be really great. We'll see how far we get in the next one. Until then, I really appreciate you guys. Really appreciate y'all listening. And I will see you next time. Thank you.